0: Hello and welcome to the Communications Spotlight, a podcast aiming to deliver high quality content for both internal and external communications. My name is Justin Teach, the Director of Virtual Events, and I will be your host. On today's episode, we look at a discussion from our Disneyland conference on achieving storytelling success with smart digital content strategies. This episode features Ray Hoyt, The manager of content production for technology courses at linkedin learning and david johnston the social media manager for tsa
1: that's awesome
2: thank you thank you Uh, hi everyone i'm ray i work at linkedin learning and maybe i'm getting a little thank you friends Uh, i work at linkedin learning up in carpentaria california i'm a manager of content production for the technology segment of our library Uh, This last year, my team published uh, about 800 courses in technology topics. Uh, We do everything. So programming, data privacy, security, network engineering, uh, it's quite a lot of fun. And I'm joined today by David.
1: Good afternoon. I'm David Johnston. I am social media manager for the Transportation Security Administration, or as it's affectionately known, the TSA. Uh, I've been in communications for about 25 years now, uh, working for the federal government for 15. Uh, and with TSA for a bit over five years.
2: Excellent, so uh, as Becky said, I've got this cool little tablet here and I can see the questions that you have asked. Uh, If you go in there and you see a question that you like, you can just click the little up arrow and it'll add a counter to it and I can see what you guys are interested in talking about. If you don't see a question uh, that you'd like to ask, feel free to add it and then other people can upload it and we'll have a nice little conversation. So, uh, starting with a little bit of an easier one, of course, we all see the people in the blue shirts at the airport. Uh, what can you tell us about the TSA?
1: <laughs> so, TSA was founded in 2001, uh, and our mission is to protect the transport of uh, people and goods across uh, the United States. Um, most people uh, are unaware that we are, have responsibilities for pipelines, for um, rail transport, for seaports, uh, for highway uh, transportation. Uh, but most people do know us from the blue people, blue-shirted people that you see in the airports. Uh, We have about 65,000 employees at 440 airports across the United States. Uh, Every, on any given day, we will screen about a million passengers, uh, about two million pieces of checked luggage, and about three million pieces of carry-on luggage. So if you ever wonder why your carry-on bins above you are full, do the math there.
2: Excellent. Uh, Our first question that everyone seems to be really like in, we talked about earlier, some people feel a little bit negatively about the TSA. Um, Do you deal with a good deal of backlash and uh, have you had some bad experiences?
1: (laughs) Yeah, believe it or not, people do have negative opinions about the TSA. I know that's shocking to everyone in the room. Um, I can't tell you the number of times I read tweets or posts that just simply say, I hate TSA." that that's pretty pretty frequent in my inbox. Um, Yeah so we we do have a a bit of a challenging reputation as an agency and I think that uh, a lot of the messages that we get a lot of the comments that end up online uh, are very negative in tone Um, but I kind of view that as a challenge. I, I think that you know all organizations and all businesses you know we have moments where we're not delivering services the way customers want we're not, uh, you know, uh, treating them the way that they like to think that they should be treated uh, as our customers. Um, I think it's a great opportunity for us to to kind of take a look at those interactions to see what has what has gone on, what's maybe gone wrong, and to kind of work to improve as organizations. Um, I think people, you know, in many cases, they simply want to know that their voice is being heard. Uh, social media is a great you know, window into the world of what your customers are experiencing. Uh, and really, you can you should take that input and those negative comments as the fact that people have chosen to, to give their time to respond to you and to reach out to you and say, this is what I experienced and I want to make you aware of it so that the next person that comes through the checkpoint doesn't experience the same thing.
2: Uh, absolutely. Uh, so- so, how did you guys get started in social media? Why do you
1: think it's so important? So, TSA started like most organizations do. Uh, you know, we, we we joined Twitter. We joined YouTube. We were kind of doing, going through the motions like, like a lot of companies and a lot of organizations do. Uh, and then in uh, 2013, we joined Instagram. Uh, we really kind of hit our stride, I would say, uh, with Instagram because uh, it's a it's a really good platform for us to kind of show and not just tell someone you can't bring a sharp object through a checkpoint, but to really show them, you know, here's an example of some of the items that people have tried to bring through. Uh, I think that really drives the message home. Uh, And we just hit our million uh, million followers mark on Instagram, which we're pretty happy for because if you're you're a brand uh, that everyone loves, Uh, A million followers isn't that big a deal, but for a federal government agency that most people hate, a million followers is kind of an accomplishment.
2: Yeah, you guys are up there with the National Park Service.
1: Yes, we are. We actually, uh, last year, were voted uh, in the top five uh, of Rolling Stones Magazine Instagram accounts to follow. So that, you know, to be hanging out with Beyonce in the top five list, that's pretty cool.
2: Yeah, I was uh, checking it out this afternoon, and there are some really interesting things you've posted recently, which leads lovely into our next question. Uh, Where do you find new interesting content?
1: So we have what I like to call them my surrogate social media team. Uh, Those 64,000 employees that I mentioned that are working in airports across the country, they're the ones that are coming in contact with these items. They're the ones that are really on the front lines of dealing with passengers and dealing with our customers so they are seeing the type of items that are showing up uh, in in airport checkpoints they're seeing the type of things that people are maybe getting confused about so they're really you know providing that content to us uh, because they are they're really engaged as well and they're really dedicated to making people understand and better informed about what can be brought through a checkpoint and what can't so they really provide us with a a great deal of content plus i have an excellent social media team that works with me Uh, they are all stars and they are constantly uh, scanning you know what's new uh, what type of items are we seeing show up at checkpoints that you know may not have come before and what people really are are asking about and what questions they're having. Uh, so it, it's really a collaborative effort to really kind of generate that content and to really kind of look for, you know, what's what's new and what are the what are the areas we haven't touched on before.
2: Yeah. On that note, uh, how do you balance making sure your content is informative and also is something that's going to grab people and bring them in? I see you guys post pictures of knives all the time. As someone who travels quite a bit, I would be that people are still bringing <laughs> knives at the airport, but some of those knives are really interesting. They're cool to look at.
1: So. Yeah, they, they really are, and and kind of on that topic, you know, uh, we, we think that everyone knows the message, you know, don't bring a knife on a plane, don't bring a gun on a plane, but every day across the country, there's about 70 guns that are found uh, that people are trying to bring on planes now, you know. So, obviously, the message hasn't fully gotten out, so maybe I need to be tweeting more, um, but you know when i talk to my team and we're we're going through development of content my question to them and one of the things i always try to drive home is to have you know to know what that underlying message is for us we're trying to educate passengers we're trying to educate travelers through our social media channels so i want every piece of content that we're producing to somehow tie back and to have that educational component. And I think that for us, um, we've identified the purpose of our channels to be educational, that's that's the reason that we are on social media. So I think that if we use that as our touch point and we always can go back and reread content that we're getting ready to post and say, what is the takeaway here? What are we trying to teach people? Uh, I think that really kind of gives us that, um, that, uh, that authenticity and allows us to kind of stay on message and, and not get too, too silly or too out there. You know, we're, we're a federal government agency. You know, we're not as cool as some of the other brands. We're never gonna be Wendy's. We're never gonna be uh, some of these other brands that can get in Twitter fights uh, with their fellow chicken sandwich makers. But we can, we can be humorous as long as we are remaining true to that underlying message And trying to educate people with all the content that we post.
2: Excellent. Uh, On that message, what's the biggest challenge you face in telling the story of the TSA? You
1: know, I I don't see them as challenges. I see them as opportunities. Uh, You know, we're a big, complicated, sometimes scary uh, federal agency, Uh, and some people have have kind of commented to me, you know, you must really have a tough job and it must be really difficult to be a communicator within a federal agency. Um, I will say that there are times where it's difficult because there's, there's information we have, may have access to that can't be shared with the general public and that's sometimes frustrating. So it's, it's, it's challenging to find a way to tell people things without telling them things, to give them as much information as we can uh, without uh, going into any areas that uh, can't be shared on social media, uh, but I use it, I, r- I really think it's an opportunity more than a challenge. It, it forces our team to be creative storytellers, it focuses forces us to focus on new ways uh, to deliver messages, so uh, it's, it's perhaps a, a bit different than tweeting for uh, you know, a, a major brand or, or uh, you know, someone in the for-profit section of things. Um, but I think it, it forces us to be more skilled as communicators and as storytellers. Well,
2: then I'm going to rephrase this next question. Uh, what are the biggest opportunities associated <laughs> with being in such a highly regulated industry?
1: Uh, you know, I think the fact that we, we have such dedicated people uh, you know the people that I work with and the people at TSA uh, you know at the end of the day they're your friends they're your families they're your neighbors uh, the people that are working at checkpoints and that you're coming in contacts contact with when you travel you know they really do want at the end of the day just to make sure everyone arrives safely That make sure that they go through the airport quickly and they're on their way and if they're Off to visit their mother if they're off to take a honeymoon if they're off to see you know their kids play baseball uh, you know on the road they just want people to go through safely and and, uh, to have a pleasant experience and I think being able to kind of you know introduce that element and really talk to people and to try to uh, you know make them understand you know what what our people are really trying to do I think is is a great opportunity and I think the fact that you know we have the opportunity to clear up some confusion uh, you know there, there are there are nuanced rules when people are traveling there are rules that that change or evolve for example um, you know when new items come on the market like uh, when drones became popular or e-cigarettes really uh, kind of burst onto the scene you know there there always evolutions into how TSA is operating and how you know, items that can be brought on a plane, items that can't be brought on a plane. Uh, so I think there's always an opportunity to talk about something new and, and to educate people about, you know, a new policy and new procedure. So I, I think, you know, talking about people and trying to create that understanding of, of what, how we operate and why we do what we do uh, are two great opportunities for, for my team.
2: Very interesting. So, how would you say is the best channel to interject that personality and bring a little bit more fun to a government account?
1: <laughs> well, Instagram is obviously the place where we've we have really found an audience that wants to hear the dad jokes. Um, our our former colleague uh, Bob Burns, uh, who passed away last year, he was he was the master of the dad joke, and if you go back and read some of our previous. Instagram uh, content uh, and and uh, descriptions—they uh, were just chock full of things that you can imagine, like your your grandpa or your uncle saying uh, at a family reunion. They 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 really are hilarious, and I think that it's really a channel that for us um, we kind of we kind of have been given the okay by our management to show some personality and to really. It uh, really talk more in a casual and humorous style uh, more so than more so than Twitter more so than uh, than Facebook or LinkedIn uh, it's really the one where we kind of let our hair down uh, you know and uh, really try to be a little more humorous humorous and to kind of show people that TSA does have a bit of a sense of humor we, we can kind of get the joke Uh, occasionally too so it's it's really the platform of choice when we kind of feel like being humorous
2: Uh, have you experienced some resistance from the top of your organization shifting that narrative to more of a personal uh, relatable story
1: absolutely I I think there's within every organization there are people that that think that every time you're talking every time you are uh, speaking to the public it should be very much like a press release. It should be written very formally, uh, and it should be something that, uh, you know, goes through 14 rounds of review and legal department and things like that. Um, I will say TSA is no different from, you know, other organizations in that way. Um, and we have perhaps been able to uh, slowly build our, our credibility and slowly make uh, our leadership come around. To realize that uh, a certain type of content works on this channel and works with this audience and that if you go against that and go to a different type of content a more formal language or what the audience is not expecting uh, sometimes you know you get some some backlash there and we've we've had instances where we, we've tried to post content I'm, I'm a big fan of testing things and trying out new strategies uh, and sometimes we've run afoul of what our audience really wants to engage with and what they're telling us they like to read from us. And we just have to, to kind of push back on our leadership and remind them that, you know, and, and it's a, a point that I make to, to a lot of organizations your leadership isn't your audience. That's not who you're writing for and that's not who you're creating content for. You're, you're creating the content for a group that's outside of your building that doesn't you know, get payroll checks from the same place you do. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Uh, a little bit better, everybody. Hey, there's my voice. Uh, so uh, I've noticed that TSA really has shifted to a, a, react- or a proactive instead of a reactive uh, customer service channel. Yeah. Uh, what's your experience in that space and uh, how can other brands learn from that?
1: Yeah, so four years ago we, we set up a customer chair effort, social media based customer care effort called Ask TSA. Uh, it's available 365 days a year on Facebook and Twitter Uh, It's staffed by a team of TSA employees, Um, we, um, you know, really launched that in response to the fact that people were reaching out to us on social media and asking questions about well can I bring this or can I, you know, is this allowed on a plane. Um, So we launched this effort um, and, you know, four years later, uh, coming up on our fourth anniversary, uh, we've had a million engagements. Uh, We average about 1,000 to 1,200 questions and uh, interactions per day uh, from passengers that may be curious if they can bring an item on a plane, uh, that may uh, have, you know, be curious about screening procedures, they've had a knee replacement surgery, or they're traveling for the first time with a child, uh, or they simply want to give us feedback about their experience, sometimes negative feedback, sometimes uh, letting us know when things went really uh, well. Uh, and it's, it's really been a great effort for us. Uh, it's something that uh, lots of organizations and lots of federal government agencies have reached out to us and said how can we incorporate a similar effort uh, into our social media strategy. Uh, I'll also say that when we when we first launched Ask Tsa, uh, we we thought of it as an effort we were doing for travelers and for the traveling public Um, but what we learned as the effort went along it was teaching us so much about ourselves as an agency where we were having challenges challenges, uh, operationally uh, where the pain points were that travelers were experiencing in airports or, or with our with our policies and procedures so it really became uh, in a way, the canary in the coal mine to kind of tell us about what we were doing well and, and where the challenges existed as an organization.
2: So how do you determine what is the new thing? How do you figure out what are, what's working well, what's working poorly, and how do you pivot around that?
1: Um, I leave that all to my team. They, they have the responsibility of, of figuring the new stuff out and making me look good. Um, you know, I, I think part of it, you know we all as as social media communicators have access to the same sort of data uh, and the same you know you know no matter what platform you use you know we we can watch likes we can watch retweets we can watch mentions and and really kind of make some generalities about how successful content is Uh, I will say that for me one of the most helpful things that I do Um, is to actually read the type of feedback that we're getting. Uh, I always tell my staff members don't read the comments and what do we do? We immediately go and read the comments uh, that people have when we post something. I feel like that's a good window into how successful uh, a piece of content is. You know, if 20 people liked or retweeted something, that's great. I'm happy about that. But if one person comments and says, thank you for explaining this, I never knew this before this is very helpful then I consider that content a win and that's something that that type of content I will go back to over and over so it's really it's listening to your audience it's trying to figure out you know what is resonating with them and and what question you're really able to answer for them
2: are there some areas in your work that are just no-go zones you guys don't even touch it when it comes to airport security and
1: as far as uh as as things we can talk about or things that we on on the platforms oh oh, uh, absolutely yeah there there are there are certainly operational things that people will will want to know and will ask us questions about that you know unfortunately we have to say you know we we can't really answer that question or we will Uh, have to politely you know decline to give them the information that they're looking for. Uh, I I think probably every business and every organization has that gray zone where you really don't want to talk about it. I I probably could tweet KFC and they wouldn't tell me what their spices are in their uh, chicken recipe. Um, So I think that they're they're always for every business going to be uh, you know um, areas where you really can't address and can't really get at what the person is trying to find out, but I think that that's still an opportunity to to engage with them and to talk about you know why why are you looking for this information, what can I tell you that will be helpful without you know opening the doors completely on something that we can't talk about.
2: Can you talk about your org structure a little bit?
1: Sure. Um, so, our social media team sits within the Office of Public Affairs. Uh, public Affairs for TSA is about 80 to 90 uh, person staff. Uh, graphics, video, web, uh, media, and, uh, and social media plays, uh, plays a portion of that. I have a four-person team that works doing traditional social media. Uh, and then we have a team of about 10 employees, uh, all TSA employees, that do our Ask TSA program. Uh, And again, they do that program 365 days a year. Uh, They're doing an amazing job with it and my social media team does an amazing job too. I'm saying that because a member of my social media team, Jordan is here, so I'm giving a shout out to them and she can tell everyone on the team that I spoke well of them.
2: Uh, Do you find that having a really cross-functional team like that is uh, supportive of the work that you're doing or is there a different org structure that you wish you could strap on to the edge of that?
1: You know uh, some some history for our for our office Um, Up until about a couple of months ago uh, We we were a much smaller team. I was a one person basically operation for a while doing all our social media and previous to that we had been very siloed in how we did social media. My colleague Bob that I mentioned before he did Instagram, he did a blog, I did Facebook, I did Twitter and, and it was very much we stayed in our own lanes. Um, when our new staff members came on board uh, I really tried to pilot this effort of our employees being cross-trained so I want them to be able to uh, you know, to run any platform, to communicate on any channel, uh, to be able to do their own photos, to do video uh, on the fly. Um, so I think it's a structure that has uh, allowed them to be much more well-rounded, but to also allow our team uh, to be a lot more functional and a lot more uh, easy to send one person to do you know, coverage of an event that TSA might be holding. And I don't have to worry, well, does this person know how to tweet? Does this person know how to post the video on YouTube? Uh, they're cross-trained and they're cross-functional, so they can they can be social media pros on any any platform that's required in that moment.
2: Well, that's definitely up my alley. I love a growth mindset. I love that culture of learning. Is that something that you really have to focus on keeping in your organization, or do you find as you bring new people on, the folks on the team already are, are kind of driving that for you?
1: I think that... It's something that the team, now that, uh, that we've introduced this model, would have a hard time going back on. I mean, really once you have, have uh, kind of opened Pandora's box and allowed a person to use uh, uh, every color of crayon that's in that box um, to, to post on these channels, to uh, create content for these different sources. I think it's something that uh, it would be hard for us to walk back on. Uh, it would be hard for me as a manager to really ask our employees to kind of go back and do things the old way, because I, I see you know, my role as, you know, as a manager of this team uh, to really you know, be training these people, to be teaching them how to use these, these different platforms, to be uh, you know, also hearing from them you know, what do they think we should be doing? What, you know, what new ideas are out there? Uh, What creative things are other brands doing that we should learn from? So it's it's a great source for me to to be able to know with confidence that they can manage any platform, but to also know they're going to come back to me and say, hey, I saw that, you know, brand Z is doing this on Facebook, and I think we can learn something from it and integrate it into our communication strategy.
2: Absolutely. Um, do you find with so many cooks in the kitchen it's difficult to keep a really tight brand personality or do you even have a very tight brand personality that you're trying to share when you're storytelling on these platforms?
1: I think we do. I think we do have a you know a good definition of who our brand is and who we want to be. Um, as far as as too many cooks in the kitchen um, my team works so well together and they're so collaborative with each other that when they come to me with content and when they, uh, you know, when they have ideas, it's really been almost focused group amongst themselves to kind of talk about, you know, does this work? Does this not work? Uh, you know, this, could this wording be better? Um, So I I think that because they have that collaborative spirit and because we've kind of set up this atmosphere and this environment of, you know, teamwork, that it really has helped us stay on track as far as as brand messaging and the type of content we want to, to really push out there.
2: So this one's getting a lot of upvotes. Uh, right. What's the weirdest thing that someone's tried to bring
1: through TSA? Oh, my gosh. Oh, the weirdest thing.
2: You can give us, like, a top three. What are your favorites?
1: You know, Halloween is always a f- awesome time for TSA because you get costumes. You get fake shrunken heads. You get pumpkins. I mean, it is really... Yeah it, it's really a bit of a circus uh, at the checkpoint. Um, I, I will probably say that I, I find it most fascinating how many replica weapons are showing up nowadays. I mean people are getting so good about building replicas for anything from, you know, the blasters from Star Wars to the baseball bat wrapped in barbed wire from The Walking Dead. I mean, these are, these are showing up at checkpoints frequently now and, uh, you know, they're, people are really dedicated to getting the details right, to making it look just as authentic as possible. And of course that means when it goes to an x ray machine, it's going to look as authentic as possible. So uh, yeah, I, f- I find those fascinating. Um, uh, I'm, I'm a bit of a, a, a old school James Bond movie buff. Uh, if anybody remembers uh, from Russia with Love, the shoe that had the knife that comes out. Uh, people can hide weapons in just so many unexpected things that 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 really is is fascinating and scary at times uh, when you see uh, see where knives knives and stun guns will show up nowadays.
2: Yeah, yeah. Just looking at the Instagram account today, there was a knife that was hidden in a, looked like a necklace cross. Yeah, that's yeah. quite the combo piece there.
1: Yeah, you know, you know, you get dressed in the morning and you decide that's the fashion accessory I need. a Cross necklace with a knife in it. Yeah.
2: Yeah, well, and I shared with you earlier. I started in network engineering, and uh, I probably a good thousand dollars on uh, networking equipment. The TSA said, "You can't bring that on the plane. That's got (laughs) a knife attached to it, girl. What are you doing?"
1: Yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, it's fascinating, and I I I feel sympathy for people because you know, rather innocently, people will show up with knives uh, that are part of you know Leatherman tools or you know or or IT tools that might be you know they there could be a blade on there and they don't even think about it they've never used the knife part before they just use the can opener or the scissors or you know whatever and uh, it's it's a tough one you know I I think part of it is it's that reminder of uh, you know know what's in your suitcase know what's in your bag know what's in your pockets uh, and, uh, and and that way it won't slow you down when you go through the line
2: Yeah, that was definitely my experience. Like, oh, my crimp kit's in here. (laughs) Bye-bye. So uh, when someone, whoever on your team, came up with the brilliant idea of showcasing all the weird things people bring through security, uh, did you guys realize you had a golden egg there, or was that a bit of a struggle getting started on Instagram?
1: You know, I don't think at the beginning it was. I think there was this kind of feeling of maybe this will work. I really think in the beginning it was more of a utilitarian function. you know you can you can describe certain things and you can tell people many times don't don't do this or don't you know don't don't bring this. And uh, you know when you show that you know certain things are still showing up in the checkpoints, uh, it, it kind of really hits home. So I, I really think in the beginning, it was simply meant to in a visual way to highlight the fact that, uh, you know, we, we were dealing with a lot of weird items that we were dealing with a lot of items that, uh, you know, might be educational for people to see. Uh, you know, if if someone says you can't bring an item on a plane, you you might think, yeah, okay, that I understand you can't do that. Uh, but if they show you a picture of, say, you know, a multi-tool, you might be like, you know what, I actually do have a multi-tool in my backpack, maybe I should check it before... Uh, you know, before I go through the airport the next time. Um, and the other portion of that is, you know, just really educating people. Uh, you know, we, we do a lot of pictures of, of uh, weapons that are hidden in things. Um, well, we had one recently where someone had come to an airport and they had uh, several large chef-sized kitchen knives and they had slid them down in their baby's, uh, baby's car-, uh, uh, car seat. And it's kind of the thing when you see it, you immediately go, why would anybody do that? You know, it's really kind of a, a scary thing, but it's it's a it's a reminder that you know that, uh, that certain things are still happening and certain things are still going on that you know we want to remind people this is a this is a bad idea.
2: So now that you're at a million followers is there a uh, social media calendar somewhere (laughs) that has water bottle wednesday on it or any of the other things that come up often with tsa
1: yeah you know we we have our calendar that has all these weird and wacky holidays on it Uh, i guess everybody kind of has that and you know what they want to engage on Uh, my team uh, is is incredibly adept at finding holidays that i didn't know existed um, some of them we 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 jump in on. Some of them, uh, you know, are maybe not so uh, on brand. Uh, but there's so many, you know, I was called manufactured holidays now that that we can use as an opportunity to say, you know, this this is this item is allowed on the, you know, if it's National Cheeseburger Day, which I think it was yesterday.
2: Yeah, yesterday.
1: I didn't get a free cheeseburger. Very sad.
2: I had fish for lunch.
1: Oh, well,
2: that was, that was, you know, fish is good. It was tasty. It just wasn't a cheeseburger.
1: Yeah, uh, you know. Uh, but we can use days like that to talk about, yeah, if you want to bring a burger through a checkpoint, yeah, bring it on. Bring us one, too. We probably would appreciate it.
2: And some onion rings.
1: Yeah, yeah, onion rings are we good, too.
2: <laughs> so uh, let's see. What's good? What does success look like when you're telling a story on Instagram or Twitter?
1: Helping people. Honestly, for me, if I can go home and feel like we have helped people have a better experience, um, it's a success. Uh, One of the things that we really started uh, picking up and, and paying more attention to when we launched Ask TSA was how many people were reaching out to us and saying, I've never flown before. I haven't flown in 30 years this is my first flight you know since i've been married you know it really reminded us that you know for for the average average uh, american uh, they take less than two flights per year so it's a lot of information to remember to go through the checkpoint you know what do i need to take out of my bag what do i need to take off and and the feeling that we are are helping to educate people and to really make them have a better experience that's success for me you know uh, the traveling public you know has a right to expect that they're going to arrive safely that we're going to treat them with respect and that they're going to have a good experience going to the airport and if we you know fail on that uh, on that good experience part we're going to learn from it and we're going to try to make it right so if if i can go home at the end of the day and feel like you know, we've, we've grown as an agency, we've learned as an agency, and that we've improved and made the experience better for the next person, or, and we've got that, that person there safely, that's success for me.
2: Cool. Building on that, uh, there's a couple questions here about the government shutdown last yeah. winter. And I wonder if there are some particular insights you feel like you learned in uh, communicating throughout that difficult moment.
1: <sighs> yeah, you know, that, that was a really... difficult time Uh, you know it was a challenging for our employees because they were showing up at airports and and not getting paid Um, so it was it was heartening though not only to see how many employees were willing to to show up and willing to perform their functions uh, with no no paycheck in sight uh, but just how passengers appreciated the fact that our employees were showing up um, and it, we, we would have uh, on a normal day, as I said, we get about 1,000 messages through, through Ask TSA. Uh, during the shutdown, those numbers spiked to somewhere close to 10,000 per day. And those were messages saying, thank you, you know, appreciate the TSA doing their job, you know, showing up, don't have to, you know, thanks for being there. So it was really heartening also to just kind of see how the public reacted to that. Uh, I, I think it's it goes back to uh, any time that you can kind of connect emotion uh, to your messaging and to your you know to your um, communications. It, it's really a good thing, and I think in that moment, um, you know, people really kind of kind of push the emotions the opposite way. We were we were not out there saying you know hey when you come through the lines today notice that you know we, we still are on the job. But people people really kind of flipped the script on us. They were bringing our employees, you know, gift cards. Uh, they were bringing, uh, you know, handwritten notes and cards from their kids saying thank you TSA. So it it really went from, uh, you know, from us kind of pushing the emotional communications out to people kind of turning it back on us. Uh, and it was really it was was really almost overwhelming. I think for us, you know, inside the agency to see how many people were doing such such warm and generous things in a totally unsolicited way.
2: That's uh, definitely how I felt about the situation. It's really impressive to see people step up every day like that.
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
2: Uh, well, we're just about out of time, so I've got one more question for you.
1: Sure. Uh,
2: is there something that you're learning right now that you can share with the group, and uh, how's that process going? What are you struggling through, and uh, how do you overcome those learning struggles? <laughs>
1: Uh is there something I'm learning right now? Uh, you know, I, I think that one of the things that we're uh, struggling with, maybe struggle, a, a harsh word, but we're looking at what's next. You know, I think we all, uh, if we are, you know, are, are doing our, our brands and our organizations, you know, justice, we're always looking for, you know, what's going to be next? What's that platform that's going to allow us to reach our audience better. Uh, it's going to allow us to more effectively communicate our message. Uh, and I think that for us being a, a government organization, we we have some additional uh, opportunities there uh, to really kind of look at uh, you know what what's the pros and cons. Um, so I think what what I'm really looking at, and what I'm spending a lot of time doing, is trying to to look down the road and say you know in in a year, in two years, in five years how are people going to want to communicate with us? You know, what's that source of information? You know, is it it a a platform that's out there now that is going to just take off in the next few years? Is it something that we don't even know about that will pop up overnight and will surprise us all? So I I think that's really what what I'm kind of looking at. And I I think that, uh, you know, as communicators for our organizations and as hopefully as kind of thought leaders, for organizations. Uh, it's really important that we always kind of spend part of our time thinking, you know, not only what are we doing today, but what are we gonna be asked to do tomorrow? And what are we gonna really need to focus on to kind of to maintain our level of success as communicators?
2: Thank you so much. Uh, Thank you for everyone who asked questions that we didn't get to. Also, thank you to all of those who asked questions of me. Uh, If anyone wants to come up during the break, I'll be just off to the side of the stage here and can certainly answer some of your LinkedIn questions. Um, Thank you so much, Thank you.
0: (laughs) Thank you for listening to our latest episode of the Communication Spotlight, a podcast aiming to deliver high-quality content for both internal and external communications. If you like this session and wanna hear more content like it, please visit ReaganTraining.com for membership. For one low price, you get access to over 600 hours of content ranging from the best presentations from our live conferences to virtual events. If you are interested in a membership, please visit ReaganTraining.com virtual and you can save $300.